All right. You know, um, giving your testimony is, uh, is awesome, but John uh, is such a humble man, um, and we love him so much uh, because he is just a model of, of what servanthood is about. And, we, and John doesn't, he was reluctant to even do this because uh, he's such a humble man, but we wanted to, uh, to let you see his heart. And if you don't see him service, serving, it may be because you're not, not here early on Sunday morning, because when I get here, John's already here. And uh, he's already got a, 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 more done. He's done a day's work before I get here. Uh, but uh, any little thing, there's nothing too small uh, for him to do or too big for him to do. And sometimes he's here during the week, uh, just making sure everything is ready uh, for uh, our services. So, John, thank you, and thank you for being willing to share, because uh, I know that was, that was hard to be able to do that. Um, we love volunteers. We love serving. Uh, you know, uh, next month, I will mark my 38th year of ministry. I started when I was about three or four uh, doing that, um, but, and 24 years in Versailles, which is uh, incredible. We love, love it here. Uh, so uh, I'm, it's kind of a celebration month. I don't think those are big years or anything, but uh, I do kind of mark those. And I've seen a lot in ministry. Sometimes I think I should write a book about it. Uh, I don't know that anybody would read it, but it'd be fun uh, to write it and recall all the good things uh, that I've seen and the bad things as well. I've seen the best and worst of people, and I've worked with a lot of people, a lot of staff members, and I will say we're blessed with some of the best staff that I've ever worked with right now. But more impressive than any of the people I've hired or worked with are the people that I have worked with who were not hired at all, volunteers, just servants, people, you, basically, that I'm talking to. I've been amazed at the commitment of people who love to serve and who give uh, in amazing ways. They've dedicated their entire lives in service. I, I work with elders who spend hours on making tough decisions and, and facing criticism when they make those decisions. I've uh, I've been amazed at deacons who year after year just tire, serve tirelessly. Anything needs to be done, no matter how menial, menial it may be, no matter how trivial it might mean to somebody, uh, to everybody else, they, they will go do that and take care of that. They have servant's heart. Uh, I, untitled servants, you don't have to have a title to be serving. People do the little things that nobody notices, but they would notice if they weren't done. That's the difference if things aren't done. People who mow the grass and prepare communion and clean up messes and do random projects and lead important ministries and uh, who pour into children and adults, who lovingly care for babies in the back, who, who patiently deal with middle schoolers and teenagers and people who count money for us. The list is endless. You know, I believe that church volunteers are the very best volunteers in the world. And I say that after, again, 38 years of observation of people, and the church simply could not function without volunteers. You know, I've often heard that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people, and I don't know if that figure's true or not, but I do know that there are people in the church who seem to have a passion for serving, and then there are people in the church who seem to have no interest in serving at all. I've noticed that at all. Uh, and it doesn't seem to be a burden or trouble them when everybody else is. And I'm not trying to be critical. It's just an observation that I'm making there. In this series called Walk the Line, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. And we said these are, are, are practices that are found in the Bible, commands in the Bible that promote spiritual growth among believers. And what a lot of people don't realize is that service, while it is a discipline and it also a, a gift, by the way, a spiritual gift, 
It is something that promotes personal growth in you. You would think that giving to others would help other people, and it does, but sometimes it helps us more than anybody else. But you might ask the question, so why is service a spiritual discipline? I think it's a discipline because this is something that many people don't do naturally. A discipline is something is you got to force yourself to do, you know? Some of these disciplines we've talked about, we don't think we have time for, and we don't prepare ourselves or commit ourselves to, and service is one of, those, one of those areas. I have noticed that there are people who have a natural bent towards service and volunteering, and it's just built into them, and they're going to be doing it somewhere, even if they're not even Christians. You don't have to be a Christian to, to love to serve. I will acknowledge that. There are a lot of organizations that rely on volunteers to, to accomplish their mission, and they're good missions, they're good organizations, Humane Society and the you know, Red Cross and Salvation Army, lots of volunteers in a lot of different ways. I don't want to take away from any of those, but I will tell you there, there is no greater or important place to serve than in the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, what you may do make a, make a difference in our community, and they're great. We don't want to discourage any of that. But what you do for Jesus will not just make a difference now. It will make a difference in eternity. In eternity. I, I see us kind of serving up to death, and a lot of people who do serve right up to death. And then when we die, we go and serve there. And we get honored there as well as Jesus has recognized servants. But the, will, the spiritual discipline of, of service involves the willful laying down of your time and your talent and treasure for the benefit of another person. By the grace and by the example given to us by Jesus Christ. We have a great example. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be, excuse me, must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, our culture has changed because in Jesus' day, um, service wasn't acknowledged. It wasn't uh, admired. It, it wasn't a real popular thing to do. And that's what Jesus said. You know how it is with the Gentiles, and he's talking about un unbelievers. Basically, they, they lorded over people. And that was the idea that if you, if you had the power, you exerted the power over top of people. And, and service was not something to be admired or necessarily to, to have for yourself. It was a sign of weakness or submission if you lowered yourself to serve other people. And so when Jesus comes with this idea of serving voluntarily, it's kind of a radical teaching. Now, I will acknowledge today our world has changed quite a bit. In fact, for many years, we have heard a lot about service and about uh, volunteerism and the idea of a servant leader model is really common the idea that you don't ask anybody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself, that you set the example by being a servant, I think that's a good thing in our world. But service is still a challenge for a lot of people. And the reason is that it goes against our fleshly instinct to seek our own personal gain over everybody else's and our own personal best interest, and that's our human nature. We're gonna think what's best for us, and, and many times when we think through that, it doesn't seem what's best for us is to do something for somebody else if you don't get paid for it. And that's kind of the thinking there. I have things I need to do, but, but, but I, I don't know that I'm going to put those on the side to do something for somebody else for nothing. But here's the thing. No Christian is exempt from serving. No Christian is exempt from that. At the root of serving is the willingness to put other people first and ourselves last. 
Now, I acknowledge that there are some people who simply have uh, a, a natural desire to serve, and some of us don't really have that. I, I see that in very sincere people, but it doesn't exempt us either. So let me share some thoughts with you about service that I think are important to kind of put into your mind as you think about how do you serve? How do I serve God? Here's the first thing. While some people have a natural gift to serve, Christian service is the result of a transformed heart. Some people have this natural gift. They're going to serve somewhere. But when we serve Jesus, it's because our hearts have been changed. One of the clearest indications of a person, if a person has embraced the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that our selfless desires to be served goes away and we take on a desire to serve other people. We have a burden to help other people. That's one of the ways that God transforms our heart. I mean, there's such a heart of gratitude and humility that we have that we not only want to share Jesus with other people, but we really, we start thinking about what their needs might be and how we might serve them rather than be served by them. Philippians chapter two, Paul says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So the apostle Paul says, you need to have the kind of thought process or the mindset as Jesus did, a servant's heart. In other words, he was in heaven and he had everything at his disposal, but he, he laid it all down. He made himself nothing by volunteering to come down here and to take on the, 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 the nature of a servant, becoming a human being. Can you imagine in, in heaven, I don't think it went this way, but if it had a, God said, I need somebody to go to the earth and I need to go down there, and it's not going to be a fun task, but I need somebody to go. And Jesus said, I'll go. It's like, no, you're the, you're the son of God. No, I want to go. And he came to this earth. We know it didn't happen like that, but he volunteered to come. God became man. He humbled himself, not only to be a human being, but he humbled himself to be submissive to the people who hated him. He humbled himself to be arrested. He allowed them to take him without, without pushing back. And he allowed himself to be put to death by these very people. And when we totally grasp that, we understand that we get the idea of what a servant is. We are struck with the humility that makes us start thinking, what do other people need? How can I lay my life down? Like Jesus laid his life down. That's hard for us to do. But the transformation that takes place in a person's nature, the gospel bring, I think it produces uh, a change in us. It takes people who are naturally selfish, which we all are, who in the past were only concerned with their own needs, and it changes us into people who want to serve other people. The gospel opens up our eyes to the needs of people around us. Sometimes we just don't even see needs. You know, I, I kind of use this example, you know, a servant walking by, uh, one person walking by doesn't even see a piece of paper, trash on the floor, but a servant walking by is looking for it. And the first person is going to walk by it, but the second person, that's what they came for, to pick up the piece of paper. That's a servant's heart. It's, it's just recognizing needs and having open eyes because the gospel has changed us and given us a compassion and a willingness to meet the needs of other people. You know, somebody said, everybody wants to be a servant, but nobody wants to be treated like one. 
And I think that's probably true. You know, we have this idea, I don't want to do that because I don't want people looking at me like I'm less than what they are. But when we're truly transformed by Christ, we stop worrying about what people think about us. And we stop worrying about how people treat us because the love of Christ compels us. And we actually start enjoying serving other people. We are not discouraged and disillusioned when our service isn't acknowledged because we're not doing it for the crowd. You know, we're doing it for Jesus. And you know what? That is so very important, so important. You know, I've seen volunteers in my time grow bitter and resentful because not everybody has the same passion for what they're doing as they do. You know, Satan can get in even in our service. You know, he, he can tell you, well, everybody ought to be doing this. This is an important thing. And sometimes we can get the idea to think what we do is the most important thing. Satan can you know, get in our ear and say, you know what, everybody ought to be doing that. They don't appreciate you. You know, you ought to just quit. I mean, I have seen this happen, and sometimes I just have to remind people, we don't do it for other people. We do it for Jesus, and if we do it for Him, then then that's our motivation. We don't worry about getting recognized. We don't worry about everybody else not doing and not thinking what we do is important. It's important to us. It's important to Jesus. And that is a result of a transformed mind, the gospel transformed. I've seen people who are once proud and self-seeking, wanting other people to serve them. I've seen them change by the power of the gospel and begin to seek to serve other people. I've seen people with great educations and high-paying jobs, everything else, doing menial tasks, doing little things because they're doing them for Jesus. And the gospel's transformed their heart, and it doesn't matter how people see them anymore. Now, why is it a discipline? I think the reason is that the gospel change in a believer's heart is instant, but it's not complete. Our souls are redeemed and our sins are forgiven, and we may be gifted in this way, but the final change often doesn't come totally until we see the Lord. Until then, the development of our, of our spiritual life and of our, our activity and our heart has to be cultivated by commitment. Even if we don't want to do it, we know it needs to be done. We know we can do it. We know we, it, God's put it before us. We see it. It needs to be done, and we decide, I'm going to do it. Even though everything in us may cry out and say, you don't have to. Somebody else ought to do it. Yeah, but that's a discipline. We choose to do it. And sometimes we have to remember who we do it for, but we are transformed to become servants. Second thing I noticed is that Christian service doesn't bring glory to yourselves, but to God. It doesn't bring glory to us. It's not what we do it for, not for the accolades or the recognition. Since we're still human and still in the process of being made holy, we are being sanctified, right? And so this being made holy, a part of that is, is humbling ourselves. We have to guard against pride, even in service. You know, someone may be gifted to, to serve publicly, for example, to speak or to sing on the stage. But you know, more oftentimes, it may be somebody who's unnoticed by everybody, Somebody who works in the nursery. How often do the people in the nursery get the recognition that they need? Or children's ministry up in the tech area. We know we got three individuals up in the tech area that nobody ever sees. But if they weren't up there, it would not be good down here. Let me just say that. I mean, I might be able to yell, but our, our worship service, praise service, would not be good if there were nobody up there, but nobody sees those. Nobody says, let's hear it for the tech. Can we give the guys in the tech a big hand up there? No glory, but pretty important, right? 
And that's how it is with all the service people who are making things happen. We, it, we don't seek the glory. God gets the glory. It all comes together. You know, <clears throat> more often, instead of being public, it might be unnoticed by most people. Uh, areas that nobody recognized. You know, something may be appreciated like, like John. We recognized John this morning, a powerful testimony. But you know what? John didn't do it for that. And, and we've never given John that moment of the stage. And John didn't want that moment of the stage. But many times, it's never even any recognition. Maybe it's just washing dishes after a church meal or something. But there are so many things that have to be done in the background in order for things to happen uh, up front. Somebody said there is no front stage without the backstage. There is no, nothing visible until somebody is pulling the strings in the back, right? In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor in Nazi Germany, wrote this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Come and die to himself. I think John said something like that. Less of me and more of him, right? Such a call to serve Christ summons up images of legendary martyrs, fearless in the face of persecution, or of a triumphant death after a lifetime of planting the flag of the gospel among unreached people. Instead, it seems that for far more commonly, Christ's call is to a death by degrees, washing feet in obscurity. We are drawn to the appeal of service when it holds out the promise of bold adventure, but repelled when it means, as it more often does, feeling banished to serve Christ in a dreary corner of a seemingly inconsequential place. That's servanthood, but that's the kind that God blesses. So whether you're called to serve God in, in public or serve uh, where, where no one sees you, remember that all service is important. Here's what Paul says in Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, not serving people, which is what it feels like you are serving Christ. And you know what? We are normally think about service as being action and work and doing things, but there are a lot of ways to serve people. Let me, let me share with you some ways that maybe you might never have thought of that you can actually serve people. Here's one, care for the broken, the poor, the unclean, and the unwelcome. So many times we think about serving, we think about people who are like us. Honestly, people who could do it themselves if they would, right? They're capable, they're a bill. But there are people who are not capable, people that you know and people that, that nobody else sees. Sometimes you don't even see them. You pass by them every day, but their needs are real. And they can't do anything for us in return. They're powerless in many ways. But the goal in serving is to give, by the way, and not get. And yes, when we serve people, we're gonna get taken advantage of. I can't tell you how many people have taken advantage of me, you know, in some way. But that's one, of the, that's one of the hazards of serving. And remember that you are working for the Lord, not for the person that you're serving. Secondly, welcome people into your home. Now, that's been tough a little bit lately. I got to acknowledge that. But we're going to get past all this. But hospitality is serving. Hospitality is serving people. You may serve a meal, but you're also giving of your time, your acceptance, and your care to them. And you're sharing life with them. And by the way, don't just invite people in your home who are like you. Invite other people in your home. Show hospitality and acceptance to people. Thirdly, take the time to listen to people. You know, we talked about the stewardship of time a few weeks ago, but it's good stewardship to listen to and invest in the life of another person. 
just to hear their life story. There are so many people whose greatest need is just someone to listen to them, to care for them. They call this, I think, the ministry of presence. And, and we don't do that very well in our busy world. We don't have time just to sit and just listen to someone today. But just listening shows our genuine care and concern for them. We don't have to agree with everything. We don't have to give them a solution to their problem. We just need to be there. Another way we can do that is to share the, the, the spotlight to someone else. Service can be simple as letting somebody else get the glory, letting somebody else be the hero, let them get the praise and pour the accolades on them. If someone starts to compliment you, say, oh yeah, you know, it really, uh, it was so-and-so who did this. It was their idea or whatever it may be. Let them be the star. That's a humbling thing to do. And, and another important way that I don't want to miss is to serve in the church to help accomplish the mission of the church. You know, I said earlier when I started that I've seen so many people who through the years have, have been willing to help accomplish the mission, to carry the mission forward. The mission of our church is not something that I'm called to do alone. It's not something that our staff is called to do alone. Our mission is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. It's not what we do from the stage that does that mostly. It is done when you take the mission with you and you take it and go, how can I accomplish mission with my gifts and my opportunities and my willingness to serve? How do I move people on a simple journey toward Jesus? And you know, that can be done outside, obviously the church in, in, in daily life, but there are also a lot of areas in our church that are needed. You know, from, from being at the front door to welcoming people when they walk in, that takes some time. You got to be here a little earlier. You don't just come in, sit down, but, but being willing to welcome people to our worship team and our tech team. Uh, you know, Dan is always recruiting people to serve who have gifts in the, the area of worship or tech. Um, to our student ministry and our children's ministry. And I've told you our greatest need right now is in our children's ministry, uh, investing in the lives of children and their parents in a way that will make a difference for eternity. It's not just child care. In fact, the only child care that's given is for babies. It's investing and teaching and training preschoolers and elementary age and investing and pouring in them, which is one of the best places that you could spend your life and your gifts and talents just pouring into children. And it may mean the difference in heaven or hell for somebody, for a child or their parent. Because, you know, it's not just the child that you're ministering to, you're allowing the parent, maybe the only time, for stay-at-home moms possibly, the only time that somebody else is taking their child and they just get to sit with their spouse or just to hear the, the Word of God. And that's so important. And right now, we're kind of desperate in that because we don't have, obviously, we don't have that available in our first hour service. And that's a huge need because we have always had incredible children's services. But this COVID, that has been the biggest thing that I can see, visible thing that's killed us is our volunteers in our, in our service, in our children's ministry. So we need you to help do that. I'm a, uh, appealing to you to think about and pray about would God call you to do that. You know, I've talked to our volunteers who are part of, who do that. It's not so much as a volunteering to them, it's a ministry. It's a calling in life. And like John said, I love what John said, sometimes you start doing this because it just needs to be done, but, but before long, it actually becomes, it becomes a calling. It becomes something that you love to do. And I know our workers would bear testimony to that. We're not just serving to do something good. We're not just serving to, to feel good about ourselves, 
but we're doing it to make a difference for eternity. And through our serving, we are moving people on a simple journey toward Jesus. Now, I said earlier that serving is not only a spiritual discipline, it's also a spiritual gift. And and by the way, if you've ever taken a spiritual gift survey, uh, you've probably seen the gift of service on there. Somebody said, and I did not realize this, but only about 12% of Christians will claim to have the gift of service. Now, I I don't believe that's true. What I think is true is that only 12% will admit that they have the gift of service. Because what happens when someone says, hey, mine showed up, I have a gift of service. We start putting them to work, right? So it may be one of those gifts that nobody wants to acknowledge that they have, um, but um, uh, understand whether you have the gift or not, you're called to serve. And in fact, when you think about it, we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. Never more like Jesus than when we're serving, and there are several motivations for our service. Let me share some of them. The first one's obedience. Pretty obvious, right? In Deuteronomy 13, it said, it is the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. There are no qualifiers for the command to serve God. That's just merely one scripture in the Old Testament. There are many, many more that command us to serve. So it's an act of obedience, but it's also an act of humility, Humility. Jesus modeled that. John 13, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to this place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you as an example that you should do as I've done for you. And we know the story, the need in that day, they wore sandals on dusty roads, their feet needed to be washed. That may not be the greatest need that we have in our church today, but the example is of a humble teacher, a leader who would, would... Lay aside his pride, of course, Jesus didn't have any pride, but lay aside his position and go and serve in the humblest of way that nobody else was doing and the, and the lowest servant would normally be called to do. But it shows humility. <clears throat> Another motive is gratitude. Gratitude. First Samuel 12 says, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what thing, great things he has done for you. When we think about how much God has done for us, and how he has blessed us, gratitude should just flow out of us. And we want to give back. We want to, we want to give to others. We want to give to God of our time, our treasure, our talent. You know, all that we might have, we want to give to God. But you know, the greatest motivation is love. The greatest of these is love. The Bible says, Galatians chapter 5, serve one another humbly in love. And 2 Corinthians 5, for the love of Christ compels us. Love for Christ, love for other people, whether it be his family The family of God or those who are outside compels us to serve Christ by serving other people. And do you you remember in that parable, and we quote the end of it quite often, but in the parable that Jesus gave in Matthew 25, he defines those who are righteous as those who have fed and clothed and ministered to and served the least of these and says that if we serve them, we are in essence serving him. And those who do are called righteous and given eternal life, but those who do not are given eternal punishment. So Jesus defines righteous people by their willingness to humble themselves and to serve people and do so in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, I think that's so compelling in our lives that God has called us to come 
and lay down ourselves for him as he came and laid himself down for us. And in doing that, the result is service. Whether it's in the context of the church, whether it's in our community, for the cause of Christ. And I will say this, that I don't want to take away from your volunteering anywhere else, but when you do this in the name of Christ, not only does it bless people, but it brings glory to God and honors Him. And, and you do it because, you, because of Jesus. Now, my challenge to you is to find an area in which to serve. Obviously, I'm a little bit prejudiced toward children's ministry because we have that great need. But there's all other opportunities as well. You know, we have a journey provisions, our ministry that reaches out to our community. We have lots of other ministries here in the church that you can be a part of. We're going to have some more serving opportunities that are coming up that we'll be sharing with you shortly uh, that, that, are, that are really cool. Wherever it is, a servant can always find something to do, can always find something to do. And I want to challenge you to look to see what God has for you to do. Now, if you want to help in the children's ministry, let me, did I mention children's ministry again? If you want to help in children's ministry, you can contact Eric about that. But if you're not sure what you can do, you can get on our online uh, uh, connect card, which some of you already filled out. By the way, I filled it out earlier. Uh, you can do that and you can ask or tell us what are some areas that you'd like to be involved in or how you would like to serve. You see, this is not something that we want to assign. And we don't want to chase you down and say, will you do this or that unless we need you in children's ministry. Um, but we'd love to have you seek the area that God wants you and calls you to be. And in every way, our greatest example is Jesus, who being, in fact, God, took upon himself the likeness of a servant and humbled himself even to death.